You are Locked On NBA Draft, your daily podcast on the NBA Draft, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. There are four teams that have a statistical case to be the best team in college basketball this season, but I think one of those is a bit of a fraud. I'll tell you who that is and why coming up next. You are locked on the NBA draft. It is a Wednesday morning. As such, you are joined by me. It is your host, Sam Ferris. You can follow me at Draft Dummies on Twitter. They're constantly doing the good work, posting clips, stats, a lot of my thoughts, both of the rookies and also the prospects in college basketball right now. But more than anything, it is March, and so we are enjoying the ride, enjoying the madness, and gearing up for the NCAA tournament. It's kind of like a holiday for all of us college basketball fans. And it's shaping up to be a mad year. A lot of fun. A lot of equality, I would say, also across college basketball. There doesn't seem to be one dominant team. And so filling out those brackets and actually watching this year is going to be a lot of fun. Um, but on today's show, we do have a title sponsor, and that is Prize Picks. This episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Check out prizepicks.com and use promo code NBA or go to your app store and download the app today. It is daily fantasy made easy. And before we get into the topics today, I want to say thank you for listening to the show today. And hopefully that is the case every day. Always enjoy to have you guys, the listeners on. Obviously would not be the same without you. I've got three different fun topics that I'm going to hit on today. Um, so I'm just going to do each one. They're not too interrelated, just three different you know, topics I wanted to hit on that I've been thinking about lately. Um, the first one that I hinted at in the intro is there are four teams that have a statistical case that they could make to say, you know, we're the best team in college basketball. But I think one of those is a bit of a fraud. So I'm going to lay that case out in a bit. In the second segment, I'm going to talk about my prospect of the day. That is Tari Eason, and I'm going to give a fun statistical case for him as well. And then in the final segment, I'm going to talk about one of my favorite rookies who I loved last year, Moses Moody, and a fun few things I looked up on him and just my thoughts on him. So got three fun different topics. Hopefully you want to hear about at least one of those. Um, so... Let's start, though, with the college basketball, because that is kind of the first thing on our minds right now. It is March, and so I hinted at, you know, four teams that could make a statistical case that they are the best team in college basketball. I would say I was a little misleading with that, to be honest. I think Gonzaga has the best statistical case. But the the teams that I looked at here are the, there's four teams that rank both in the top 20 in offensive efficiency and defensive efficiency in college basketball. So I, I kind of buried the lead already, but starting with Gonzaga, uh, they have the second ranked offense and the fourth ranked defense in terms of adjusted efficiency. 
Moving down, the next team after that is Arizona, who has 8th-ranked offense, 17th-ranked defense. Down from there is Baylor, who has the 9th-ranked offense, 16th-ranked defense, and then Houston, who has the 11th-ranked offense and 7th-ranked defense. So four teams there that have or rank in the top 20 of adjusted efficiency, both offensively and defensively. That's the key to success. It's very difficult to win at the highest level you know, with only a really good offense or only a good defense. So kind of uh, the case in point this year that will be interesting to watch is Purdue, who ranks first in offense, but 91st in defense. In these stats I'm using are per Bart Torvik. It is a fantastic database for college basketball stats. Uh, if you want to use it, it's free to everyone, and it is awesome. So anyway, those are the four teams, and the topic I wanted to hit on quickly is I believe that Houston is, they're just not on the level of those other teams, both in terms of the eye test, but also when you dig into the numbers with them. And so I'm going to quickly kind of lay out the case for why I believe that. So the number one thing is pretty easy. They're missing their best player, Marcus Sasser, who's been out for a while now and is no longer playing with the team. He was, uh, to me, he's, he was their best player. And that kind of hits at the heart of the issue with Houston. And it's, you know, somewhat of a similar team to last year, where if you look at their statistical profile this year, they kill on the offensive glass. That's where they make a living. They don't turn the ball over that much, but pretty much middle of the road there. But where they really struggle, though, is shooting the ball, where only 66% from the free throw line and only 34% from three and you know, we talked about Marcus Sasser, their best player. He was the guy shooting 75% from the free throw line and 44% from three. But since he went out earlier this season, he's only played like a third of the season for them. And since he went out, that those numbers have dropped even more. And so I just don't know. And we just saw that I watched them get routed by Memphis on Sunday. And so that probably also left a bit of a taste in my mouth in terms of just not believing their case, even though if you look at just the high-level stats, they might indicate them as a contender. I just don't see it. Those shooting numbers, you know, down to like 32% from three and just over 60% from the free throw line since Sasser went out, I, I just don't think that's going to be sustainable to win multiple rounds in advance all the way and win the championship this year. And so they really do rely on their offensive rebounding. And, and that is effective, but it's more so effective against kind of these lesser teams they're playing against uh, that just don't have the size to match up. But when they go up against these elite athletes and get into the later rounds of the tournament, that's something to watch out for. Uh, can they still dominate people on the glass and defensively like they have all year? So without Sasser, their best player, uh, without the shooting that he provides, I don't think they have the firepower to make a run. And I would not say that they are on that level with Gonzaga, Arizona, and Baylor. Now, it's kind of funny because preseason I predicted GU, Arizona, and Baylor as three of my final four teams. And so I'm feeling good. I predicted that Arizona would win the Pac-12. And people forget that preseason everyone loved UCLA. So... That's looking good right now. Um, and of course, next week when the bracket comes out, I'll be doing my episode right before the tournament starts and we'll give my predictions. That is the episode I'm really looking forward to. 
like many of you guys, Selection Sunday is pretty much a holiday for me, as is the first few days of the tournament. Uh, but coming up next, we're going to talk, I'm going to talk about a prospect of the week for me who is Tari Eason. He's a guy who I've dove into more of his film and his statistical profile lately, and there is a lot there that I really like. All right, NBA fans, are you looking for a daily fantasy option for the NBA? Then you need to try the award-winning app, Price Picks. It's daily fantasy made easy. It's easy to use. You just pick two to five players and an over-under on their projections, and you can win up to 10 times on any entry. And it's just you versus the projected numbers. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less, and it's safe, and they offer fast withdrawals as well. They offer any different prop you can think of. And they also do allow mixed sport entries. They don't offer just NBA, but also college basketball, football, MLB, if it comes back, soccer, MMA, and more. For a limited time, PricePix has an exclusive no-brainer of an offer for all of our users. Get $50 for free if a player in your first PricePix entry scores a single point, but you must use code NBA. That's right, this is an exclusive offer for Locked On fans, sign up today and use code NBA, $50 for free if a player in your first prize picks entry scores a single point. All right, so I wanted to hit on Tari Eason because he's got a real interesting case to be made. We've talked about, I've talked about, and other people, both on the internet, on other podcasts, have talked about just how weak this draft can be, or maybe it's better to say just how level it is after the first six, seven guys. I just, I don't feel great about if I were picking in kind of like the eight to 14 range, I wouldn't feel fantastic about it. And so like Tari Eason has a case to be made to be mentioned in that group. And I think I've gotten to the point, frankly, where I do have him in the later, latter half of that group. So I always like to start out with a statistical case. I'm going to do that here to start out because I think it's a really fascinating one. So since 2009, there have only been six guys, and I'm excluding bigs from this because I just want to look at wings and guards because, um, you know, the thresholds that I'm looking for here is players that posted both an offensive box plus minus and a defensive box plus minus over five in the same season as a college basketball player as an underclassman. So that was a bit of, of a mouthful, but they had to have both a great offensive and defensive season statistically as an underclassman. And this is going back over the last 12 years. There have only been six of those guys. Mikal Bridges, Marcus Smart, Franz Wagner, Otto Porter Jr., Zion Williamson, and Tari Eason. That's it. That's the whole group. And you might think, why is Zion included in there? Well, he was awesome defensively at Duke, and that quite has not quite translated thus far. Otto Porter is older now, but a very good younger player early in his career. And then Bridges and Smarter, defensive player of the year contenders, even as perimeter players. And Franz is going to be and is already a good defensive player. So, like, that's the whole list over 12 years. Basically, one guy every other year. And those guys, almost always, without fault, there have become at least above-average NBA players. Who's to say, honestly, with Zion right now? 
I just don't want to read too much into that, but he was an incredible defender and all-around player at Duke. So, like, that is that is a legit group to be included in with. Um, the reason why I excluded bigs is just because it's easier for them to have a higher defensive box plus minus because they're around the rim blocking shots. So wanted to exclude them just to show how exclusive this group is that Tari Eason is included with. So, so what does that say is that, you know, he's an effective offensive player, even though he's coming off the bench for some reason, you know, to post a BPM that high offensively is really good, but he's just in this elite group defensively in terms of non-bigs and that's huge because i do view him as like a potentially versatile defender that can guard across multiple positions now some people will argue you know his switch will turn off defensively uh, it's not a hundred percent there and that's okay because to me he's got you know there's three things i usually or at least two things on the checklist and it's and defense is it's harder to scout and if there's anything that you can really over scout or overanalyze its defense, you just need to start with the physical tools. And Tari Eason has those in spades. Six eight long, moves well, can jump, and he's very coordinated. And then the the activity rates that I always talk about, block and steal rates, he kills there too. I mean, he's an exclusive group if you want to just look at those numbers. Very active because. Uh, you want to see, in terms of college players and prospects, it's better to see guys doing too much defensively than not doing anything. Like, if guys are over-rotating, over-helping, maybe just like a little too overactive defensively, that to me is a better indicator than a guy that just doesn't really do much. Like, yeah, he's in the right spot occasionally. He doesn't kill you defensively, but he doesn't really make plays. Um, that that's actually, that's certainly a bigger worry when it comes to prospects. So he has the activity rates. He just has these overall defensive metrics. He has the physical tools and he's not a big. So that versatility is what teams are looking for defensively, especially in the modern NBA. And then just to finish up on him offensively, it's frankly not that much less intriguing He's got some perimeter skills. His handle is actually really good for a four. That's kind of more of this defensive athletic archetype. Pretty good finisher around the rim, decent handle. Um, the question with him and what's going to be the potential inhibitor from him becoming a great NBA player is he does have a little bit of that kind of weird release from the shoulder, a little bit of like a grenade launcher. Like he's made it. I don't have his numbers in front of me right now, but I think he's up to like 37% from three this year. So like the percentages themselves aren't that concerning. It's just like, can he really become a movement shooter? Can he really become a guy that takes pull-up jumpers? I don't know. Like the jumper is something you can fix and work on. And so I love the tools and the statistical profile of Tari Eason so far. And we'll get to see him in March. We'll get to see more of him. And it'll be fun to keep an eye on him. But he has crept into that late lottery discussion for me because of the, the defense, because of the versatility on the wing, and because he has some of those things that I value offensively. One with the athleticism, but also a good handle for his archetype. And, and he's just already a very effective player, which sometimes can get undervalued when we're just looking at potential, you know, 
guys with a lot of potential. He is really good already. But um, coming up in the final segment, I want to talk about Moses Moody, who uh, was a guy that I had ranked sixth on my board last year, and he has really started to turn things up, scored 30 points the other night for the Warriors. So I want to talk about a couple interesting items on him coming up in a second after this break. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. It's that time of year when most people have given up on resolutions, but not this year. I am sticking to it because I can eat right due to Built Bar. Uh, they taste like a candy bar, but they are even more healthy. And there are even these new types called puffs that are infused with marshmallow. And I'm a marshmallow guy as well, so I kind of like them. But of course, they're all 100% covered in chocolate, low calorie, high protein. Go ahead and replace your candy bars with these and you will feel much better. All types of different flavors, all types of healthy. I'm a big fan of Built Bars. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. Again, promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, we're into the final segment, and I'm going to hit on Moses Moody. Like I said, I had him sixth on my board last year. Because he ended up on the Warriors and how good the Warriors had been to start the season, he hadn't gotten that much opportunity. But after his 30-point game the other day, it got me thinking, and I posted this on Twitter. I thought it was both kind of funny, surprising, and also interesting, is Steve Kerr early in the season compared... Moses Moody, you know, mentioned a potential comparison of Trevor Ariza for Moses Moody. And like, that's okay. I, I, I don't blame him for not wanting to compare him to like Paul George or Chris Middleton or whatever, even though Chris Middleton is my comp for him. Like, you don't want to just uh, set the expectations so high that he can't meet them. And like Trevor Ariza's had a good career. But the funny thing is, it got me thinking, you know, after his 30-point game yesterday, how many 30-point games has Trevor Reza scored in his career? If you want to pause this real quick and guess, if you haven't seen the tweet that I, that I sent out earlier, go ahead and do that and take a guess. All right, so Trevor Reza in 1,116 NBA games has scored 30 points or more five times total uh it he only did it took him six years to do it for the first time and he only did it once over his first nine seasons again he's been around so long it's hard to remember like i looked at his game highs he scored 40 once that that is hard to kind of fathom at this point or even like imagine him doing that uh, but it just got to the the point that i was trying to make is not to denigrate Trevor Reza and not that Steve Kerr was like terrible by comparing him to Trevor Reza. It's just that guys like this can get underrated. And just because he doesn't, he's not like a traditionally crazy athlete. I think his upside does get underrated. This is something I've harped on a lot. Now, does this mean you discount athleticism? No. What I always say is you got to start with things you can't teach and there and you know physical tools are the number one thing that you can't teach but there are other things you can't teach and that you know includes 
feel for the game of basketball and a lot of different other things that we could get into. But with Moses Moody, the thing that I hark back to is as a freshman at Arkansas, they made it to the Elite Eight. Moses Moody was their best player as a freshman. He averaged 17 a game without really even pushing the boundaries of his game offensively. And like, if a guy's scoring 17 and has a very positive influence on a very good college team as a freshman, that to me indicates that there's more there than a potential Trevor Reza. Again, if he ends up as Trevor Reza, that's not a terrible outcome, but it seems clear to me that there is more there. Like he, he can, he can get buckets. First of all, he's a scorer. That's why I've compared him to Middleton. But, you know, he's played as kind of the third option on his team for a while now. Even going back to high school, he played with Cade, Scotty Barnes. Um, in college at Arkansas, he didn't push the boundaries too much. He played his role, yet still scored 17 a game. And we've seen him continue to improve. He's already taken steps athletically. The funny thing is, though, like, I think Franz Wagner would be included in this discussion as well of guys that... Maybe people weren't excited if their teams drafted last year. Like he seemed like a safe pick that didn't have a high ceiling. And that's just this false ceiling thing that I always talk about where like athleticism does not equal ceiling and college success does not equal like a safe prospect coming out of college either. We just don't really have a good understanding of what means safe in the draft and what means high end upside in the draft either. And like I said, K or excuse me, like Moody and Franz Wagner would have been included in there. But the funny thing is those guys do have physical talent too. I mean, Moses Moody has like a seven foot wingspan. Franz Wagner is huge. He's what, like 6'10". And so it just means that evaluating the draft is tough. It means there's things that matter outside of just showy athleticism that you might see in an open gym. But again, I, I love Moses Moody. He's going to start again tonight versus the Clippers. You just don't want to bet against guys that are good from a young age that contribute to winning basketball and do have some semblance of uh, good physical tools. And so, yes, I was a little lower than I, than I wish I would have been on Franz Wagner. I kind of talked myself into being too low, but, but Moses Moody is a guy I always believed in. And so just looking at that comparison of five times in his career for Ariza, he scored 30 plus in a game in 1,116 career games. Moses Moody did it uh, already as a rookie and he's going to keep doing it. He's been doing it in the G League. He just hasn't gotten the opportunity yet. And so very excited to see him continue to shine, continue to prove me right because a lot of people have proven me wrong. Um, but before we finish, listeners, I just again want to thank you and say thank you for making this podcast your first listen today. Hopefully that's the case every day. Feel free to message me on Twitter. I'm always there to talk, though I'm a bit busy with work and other stuff right now. Still always got time for basketball. And because you are listening to our show and hopefully enjoyed it, Go ahead and make your second listen today, the Locked On NBA, because they have some great experts covering the biggest stories around the whole NBA every day of the week in less than 30 minutes. Just like our podcast, it is free and available wherever you get your podcasts. 